So it's interesting. I, you know, I started these recordings, oh, it's been a couple years ago now. Um, and the thought was I was just going to record myself to see if I could get better. And I can't. Sorry. Um, but I could listen. And, and then I started making this available to people who weren't here. And then, you know, and it really, it, periods have really, really taken off. And who would have thought that last week's message, I mean, it, it went crazy. Uh, and I, I don't want to make this about me, but, you know, we talked about I am someone's friend and I am someone's enemy and what that means. And, and maybe it's just a sign of the times, but that one, that one really got some attention for some reason. And, um, and, it, and it should. We have so much to learn from the Bible about how we're to act. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about that this morning. We're going to start with a little fun fact about me. Don't need any peanut gallery. I like t-shirts. In fact, one of life's ironies, I was wearing my McCarty t-shirt last night. That When I bought that truck, I said, I'll buy this truck for X amount of dollars, but I want like a handful of your t-shirts. And he gave me some. Didn't I get like three or four of those t-shirts? McCarty t-shirt. Wore it yesterday. Love it. I love t-shirts. I love the ones that have a purpose. You know, Jack does too. My dad has like 40, and I said, only 40? Um, okay. Um, but... I love them, and, and it can be for a cause. You know, I've got things for various walks and, and things like that, and, and then some of them capture memory, maybe from a trip you went on or, or you know, I don't know, something from school, and I like ones that are unique. You know, I don't know how many of the Versailles square deals, I guess that's a limited edition now. I guess they aren't making those anymore, but I've got one in that kind of rust, burnt orange color that I like. I've never seen anywhere before, so that's like one of my favorite unique T-shirts. I wore it in Hawaii, so people would go, "Huh, where's Versailles?" <laughs> <laughs> it's for sales. <laughs> Is that by Nevada? No, Nevada, right? Um, that's how we roll around here. And I like the ones that are silly, and these are the ones that upset her. So if you need an example, because I went to Walmart. Look at this. Look at this. I've got your back. Isn't that awesome? And I know what Sherry's begging me to do. No, I'm not going to burn it in church. But we haven't had a giveaway in a while. Who wants? Okay. All right. I expect to see that. I will. I'll go buy another one for me. But a few years ago, a major insurer in the region, one who will remain nameless but I work for, um, had a slogan on their T-shirt. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold it up. Isn't this awesome? What's wrong with this? Oh, I'm sorry. What's wrong with it? You can't see it. No, live. Come on. <laughs> you people from Versailles. Right, live fearlessly. So that's what really bothered them. But then what's ironic is, doesn't that imply some recklessness? That's something like, I'm your insurance. I want you to not get hurt because that's where we make our money, right? But go live fearlessly. Go climb that tree. Mm -mm. So these got recalled. I was given a bunch of these. Now allowed not these not not to make it back to Kansas City. But who who would say is probably one of the more petite people in here? <laughs> Donna. It's a four X. That's what makes us funny. I mean, Donna, you get a live fearlessly four X T shirt. Make sure you put a belt on that. It's it's dress worthy. <laughs> But it begs the question, what, you know, that shirt reminds me, what would you do if you weren't afraid? How would you live fearlessly? Now, the, the Apostle Paul wrote about boldness or fearlessness in 2 Corinthians 3.12. He wrote, therefore, since we have such a hope, 
We are bold, right? Both these things have a common principle. There is nothing to fear when you have hope. Hope that you are protected, whether it's through insurance, right? Or through the promise of God. No, I am not drawing a similarity between God and insurance providers. I am not. Okay, so don't get mad or text me about that. I'm just saying there's something about a confidence, a boldness, and it says, I'm protected, right? Living like it matters means that you understand what you think and what you believe matters. The psalmist writes, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and you know when I rise. And uh, he says, you perceive my thoughts from afar, okay? Jesus knows your thoughts, okay? It matters. And then in Mark 9, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of give you a little background on the story. Jesus, Peter, James, and John went up to this high mountain. This is where the transfiguration happens. And when, when they approached the place where the other disciples were waiting, they found them surrounded by a crowd of people that were kind of arguing and bickering. And, and Jesus seemingly frustrated. He says, what are you arguing with them about, he asks. Now I'm gonna pick up scripture, and this is from uh, Mark 9. It says, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, if I can, everything is possible for one who believes. It matters what you believe. What you believe matters. Paul repeats this message in a very practical way in Romans 10. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because we believe, and let me correct that, because we know that Jesus is Lord, we have a boldness that comes from the hope and the faith that we have, right? When times get tough, when there's a pandemic, we have a boldness that goes, this really stinks, and I'm really uneasy about what's going on. But I have a good God. I have a good God. And just a quick reminder from scripture, faith, according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance, right? That's the confidence about what we do not see. And the apostle Paul writes these words in regards to hope from Romans. He says, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Maybe they hope for more than what they have. He says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We live boldly and fearlessly because we have help from the Lord. His enduring presence is with us all the way back to the beginning of time. In the book of Genesis 28, 15, we find this promise. He says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Beginning of time. And in Joshua 1, 9, he says, have I not commanded you? He's reminding us, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That's a tough one. For the Lord your God will, go, will be with you wherever you go. He's got your back. Fearless. In response, as promised, Paul rhetorically asked, if God is for us, who can be against us? 
right? Have you checked the scoreboard? God wins. He won. Do you hear the good news? God keeps his promise. This same promise he made to them, he made to you as well. Not only is he with you, he has a purpose for you. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Paul writes. That sounds horrible. Joyful in hope? Okay, all right, I can have joy and hope. Patient in affliction? Why would I share that verse? And why should we be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer? Because God has a plan and purpose for you, and he will use these moments to mold you. He'll teach you and mature you in faith that leads to salvation by afflicting you just a little bit, right? Ooh, that's uncomfortable. Then I better stop, right? Stop picking at that because it hurts. But that's how you get better. I'm not gonna do that again. I don't like that. Proverbs 69 says, in their hearts, human plan the course, but the Lord establishes their steps. God has a purpose. And yes, we have free will. We have free reign. That doesn't mean that we're always gonna follow God's will. But when we plan our course and it's in line with God's will, God establishes our step. He supports every step we take. You know, living like it matters means you understand that what you say matters too. The author of Proverbs 18.21 reminds us that the tongue has the power of both life and death. Now, haven't you experienced both words that build you up and those who tear you down? Haven't you shared words with someone that built them up? Words of encouragement also spit out venom ones, venomous ones that hurt. I'm not have. I'm human. I'm not proud of it. Matthew 12, 36 tells us that everyone will have to give an account on that day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. What you say matters. God knows that this is both a struggle and a temptation for us, and that's why his word, the Bible, gives direction on this just like it does on so many other important aspects of our life. From Ephesians 4, 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then from James 3.10, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. And then he says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. And this is because it reveals the heart. Jesus' disciple Luke says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, right? It just, it doesn't stay contained. If you're good, goodness comes out. If you're not good, yuck comes out. But the last line of this verse says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Isn't that true? Aren't we on our best behavior until we drop that hammer on our foot or try to get up that driveway? <laughs> you know, that stuff that's, that's stored up, it, 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 comes, it oozes out. God knows it. So we have to work on our heart. It's a heart problem, not a tongue problem. And it's not just what we say to and about others. It's what you say that God that matters. Psalms full of praises. We worship with praises. Psalms like, my mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell all your wonderful deeds. These are psalms. These are poems. These are lyrics that say, praise God, praise God. And this is why we sing hymns of praise, especially when we start the worship service. We're preparing our heart for an hour of dedicated love and worship to God. It's more than a song, right? 
a song in itself is not what he requires. That's why we begin our prayers with words of thanks and praise to the Lord. Dear God, thank you for who you are. Dear God, you're an amazing Lord. Romans 10.10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Don't keep it to yourself. Saying it out loud helps, and we're going to talk a little more about that next week as we unpack things like the Lord's Prayer that we say out loud. How about the Apostles' Creed? Anybody remember that? I know we've talked about that. The Apostles' Creed, depending on where the church you grew up in, that was, that was required memorization. Anybody else have to do that one? I see some hands. Yeah, Apostles' Creed. We're going to kind of unpack that a little bit. Friends, what you say matters, and what you say to and about others, what you say about God, and what you say to God matters. And I don't mean eloquent speech. Right? I'm, not, I'm just talking about genuine words from your heart. Shame on us if we nitpick the way our kids talk, especially when they're little and immature, right? That's not good grammar. I don't care that dogs are brown. No, we're glad to hear from you. God doesn't care. Matthew 6, 7 says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. You don't have to speak in a booming voice of prayer. You don't have to, if you ever have an opportunity to speak out loud, to pray out loud. There's nothing. It's a private conversation between you and God. If others want to listen in, fine. I hope they're edified by it. There's a churchy word. I hope they grow from it. But the truth is this. That's a personal conversation that you're overhearing. God doesn't care. In fact, he'd probably rather you not speak with the thighs and downs and that if that's not the way you speak. He wants to know what's on your heart. Psalm 18.6 talks about the genuineness. It says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. It says, from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. That's why we pray, because we know he hears. What you say matters because it is heard. And living like it matters means you understand that what you do matters, okay? We really went into deep last week on this. So I want to encourage you to revisit that message if you hadn't heard it or want to hear it again. But it was, we were talking about, I am someone's neighbor. You know, we're called to love our neighbor. And we're called to be a neighbor by showing love in Jesus' character. And the only way to do that is to know what Jesus' character is. But if we're also supposed to pray for our, our enemies and, you know, want good for them, isn't it possible that we're someone's enemy despite our best efforts? You know, and what do we do in that case? So we'll revisit that. But just three quick verses to emphasize the point. First Peter 3, 9 says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because of this, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Will you want to frustrate someone who's wanting to fight with you? Pay him a compliment. I don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. I, this, is, this is scriptural. This is not my secret weapon. <laughs> Colossians 4, 5 through 6. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Talk about that. Let your conversation always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And then Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What you do matters. And here's the thing. Living like it matters means that you understand that faith requires action. Now, there's positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement and punishment, going back to psychology days. Anybody remember B.F. Skinner? I see some nods, yes. 
Positive reinforcement, you reward the behavior. The negative reinforcement is not punishment. Punishment is to get you to stop doing something. Positive reinforcement is to keep you to doing something, okay? We talk about the glory of God in heaven because that's a positive reinforcement. I want that for me, I want that for you. The Bible talks about sin. The Bible talks about hell and damnation and brimfire and all those things because that's a negative reinforcement, okay? That's not a punishment. He's saying, I don't want this for you, so do this. He's not saying, you know, that is a positive reinforcement. Hell doesn't exist because God wants to punish you. He wants nothing more than have a relationship with you. And guess where the best place to have that is? The best place to have it, right? That's what God wants for every one of us. Heaven isn't heaven because of where it's at or what's there. Heaven is heaven because of who's there. And that's what he wants. So it does matter. It does matter what you do. Living like it matters means that you understand that faith requires action. Dear children, this is John talking, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Now I would say it's not just love and not just words because we know that loving others and using your words to affirm and, and express and saying out loud does matter. But also with actions and in truth. And the truth is God's word, God's love, God's definition of, of loving others. So Matthew 21, 21, I'm gonna give you a little backstory. Jesus was walking back to the city. He had been in the temple the day before and he was headed back there the next day and he was hungry. The Bible says he was hungry, God. Jesus was hungry too. And he, he came upon a fig tree. And the fig tree had a lot of leaves, but not a single piece of fruit. And he looked at it and he said, may you never bear fruit again. And the tree instantly weathered, withered. And I thought, well, that's very puzzling. And I know, and I really need to spend some time trying to understand why Jesus would curse a tree. But, but the message is this. The disciples were amazed, okay? And they asked, they said, wow, I mean, you withered a tree. Um, Jesus, this is, now I'm quoting scripture. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to the mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. Okay? Faith can move mountains, right? Now you've heard the expression coined by John Wooden, even if he didn't realize it was him, it says the true test of man's character is what he does when no one is watching. Now, I don't want to alarm you, but you're always being watched. You're always being watched here on the earth too, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope is in his unfailing love. God is watching. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. He's watching. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Now, these may be a little unsettling, there's no place that I can go that God doesn't see. Now, there's places we can go that God won't go because he is holy and he's like, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna go there and do that thing or expose myself to that. But I see you, I see you. And here's where some encouragement comes. And this is a verse that I used last week and so I'm just gonna paraphrase it. You have no reason to fear authority if you're doing what's right. The flashing light behind you on the highway if you're going the speed limit, you may just double check, but your heart shouldn't go racing because you're not supposed to be racing. But if you know you did something wrong or even question it, 
right? Uh-oh. We want God to watch us because we want him to be with us. We want him to always protect us, okay? We want the glory of heaven and we want him to guide our path there. So there's peace in knowing that we're always in his care. So live like it matters. It all matters. During the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke the words about the lampstand and, you know, and he said, the light of the world. And he charged you. He charged you with this. And listen, this is from Matthew 5, 16. He goes, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So does it really matter? On earth, I try to do the right thing, but so-and-so seems to be getting ahead. I try to do the right thing, but I'm sick and they're not, right? I don't know. You know, those are, those are good questions to ask God. They are. But if you have a kingdom perspective, yes, it absolutely matters. With a proper perspective, you can live fearlessly because you know that God has unconditional love for you. You can live fearlessly because you know that God is in control. You can live fearlessly because you know God or Jesus has overcome the world. Not only has he defeated Satan, but he's defeated death himself. So when we pray for these young people who have lost their lives in accidents, we mourn for their family, but we celebrate the promise kept that he's not in that other place with the fire and brimstone. He's in the place of glory with God. And we miss them like crazy, but we're excited for them. So take advantage of this. And I don't mean take it for granted. And I don't mean don't abuse the friendship or or the grace of, of Jesus. I mean, enjoy and experience the benefits of your relationship with him. It really is about who you know. Now, this morning we sang the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And as I alluded to, there's some real power in those words. And even though it may not be the upbeat, let's dance in the aisle, go tear their heads off Rocky kind of song. Listen to the words again. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It's a privilege. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Your body is not designed to shoulder the stuff you're trying to carry, right? We're going to leave it at the cross, okay? Have we trials and temptation? Is there troubles anywhere? Yes. We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Man, if there's anybody you can talk to, it's him. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there. Wow. Friends, my friends, friends of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ, once you understand all of the love that God has for you, once you recognize all the blessings that he continues to lavish on you, once you experience God himself working in your life, and once you accept that gracious gift of his son as your Lord and Savior, you cannot prevent the joy you experience. So don't try to contain it, right? Let it out, live it out, live like it matters because it most certainly does. And maybe you're pretty psyched up right now. I'm kind of getting a little, had a little caffeine this morning. Maybe you're having a tough time for some reason, okay? 
we aren't all in the same place on our journeys. If you're in a season where you're struggling to understand the wonderful the ways God is working in and around and through your life, or, or maybe you feel like he's completely absent. You're like, where is God in this situation? I know he loves me, but where is he? I need to hear from you because I want to help you stay connected to your loving Heavenly Father. That's a big part of what this church does. Let's talk about what all of this means. Don't go another minute without claiming the wonderful things God has intended for you. You matter to him. You matter to me. And you matter to this gathering of friends and neighbors that we call Golden Beach Community Church. You do. You matter. Let's pray. Father God, sometimes we try to not sweat the small stuff, but there are so many things that have such an impact on our lives, on our enjoyment of our life, and on our relationship with you. Lord, your word is very clear that what we say matters, what we think and believe matters, what we do matters. But Lord, what are the good news is in this? is it matters in a good and positive way. As we are faithful, obedient followers of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, we grow closer to him and we grow closer to you and we get those promises kept and fulfilled over and over again until the day of glory when we're united with you in heaven. Lord, we don't need a deterrent we have the best motivator in the world and that is your son that says, come, I prepared a place in this house and then my father's house, there's many rooms. I'm going ahead to prepare it and I'm gonna send you a helper to make sure you get here. Lord, let us be open to the workings of the spirit in our life. Let us be open to those who reach out and, and offer us help along the way. Let us never miss an opportunity to recognize a need in another Lord, as far as it is up to us, let's be at peace with everyone and strive to make this world a glimpse of heaven. Let us each do our part. God, as always, I just want to conclude this message, this prayer with your a word of thanks for this beautiful building, this beautiful creation that surrounds it, that we truly get to enjoy all that you've done for us. Lord, as we are here with gathered with brothers and sisters, just trying to get through this life, just doing life. Lord, may we continue to encourage each other and spur each other on in love as we seek you in our lives. Amen.